Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. The truth of the matter is, Satan is more afraid of us as praying Christians than we as Christians should ever be of him. Sadly, many a Christian has been deceived and believed that Satan is to be feared, when in fact, (laughs) he is a defeated foe. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of 2 Thessalonians. Sometimes we can read a portion of scripture about Satan and we can become afraid. But in today's message, Pastor J.D. will remind you that there is nothing to fear. Satan is a defeated enemy. Why? Because once we as Christians pray, it's all over. Prayer has power. When we come to God in prayer, he wins over Satan. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now here's Pastor J.D. in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Today our text will be verses 1 through 5. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Thessalonica and by the Holy Spirit says verse 1, As for other matters, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored just as it was with you. And verse 2, pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people, for not everyone has faith. But the Lord is faithful and He will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence, verse 4, in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things we command. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. So, I want to talk with you today about that which Satan fears the most, which is when we as Christians pray. The truth of the matter is, Satan is more afraid of us as praying Christians than we as Christians should ever be of him. Sadly, many a Christian has been deceived and believed that Satan is to be feared, when in fact, (laughs) he is a defeated foe. When I was preparing For today, the Lord just reminded me of Isaiah, and I just sort of last minute wanted to share with you chapter 14, verses 12 through 16. I think you'll see why here in a moment. 
It's a description, rather detailed, rather specific, as to how Lucifer was fallen and cast out of heaven. And we're told, verse 12, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. I, yay, 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 I think there's like eight eyes there. Somebody might want to recount them. As one has so aptly noted, the letter I is right smack in the middle of the word sin. The letter I is right smack in the middle of the word pride. And the letter I is right smack in the middle of the word in the name Lucifer. That's interesting, because that's the problem. It's an I problem, if I can say it that way. It's this I, myself, pride, exalting oneself, thinking more highly of oneself. So verse 15, after all the I, I, I's, (laughs) Isaiah writes, Yet you, speaking of Lucifer, shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths, of the pit. Those who see you will gaze at you, which means that there is coming a time when we're actually going to see what Satan actually looks like. Spoiler alert, he is not wearing red tights and have a pitchfork. (laughs) He does not look like that. Now this is what I want to draw your attention to, because Isaiah goes on and says, and as they gaze at you, they're going to consider you, and here's what we're going to say. Is this the man who made the earth tremble? Who shook the kingdoms? No way. The no way's not in there. I added that. I think you get the point of that. In other words, when we see Satan, we're going to be shocked. This goes both ways, by the way. When we see Jesus, we're going to be shocked too. Oh, by the way, again, spoiler alert, he doesn't have long hair, blue eyes, you know, um, and he all, you know, wimpy. I'm so sorry, but you know, that that's why, well anyway, I don't want to get off on that. The, the pictures, the depictions of what Jesus looked like, I, you are in for a very, uh, how do I say this as lovingly as I can, you're going to be shocked. He, he, you understand, he, he's Jewish, just so you know. 
Um, he's Middle Eastern. Uh, he probably looks a lot more like me than, you know, I'm... I'm <laughs> you could have probably gone the rest of your life without that image, right? What's my point? Maybe you're asking, do you even have a point? Yes, I do have a point. Bear with me. Hang in there with me, okay? We do err greatly when we paint this picture of Satan on the canvas of our minds as this fearful foe. He's more afraid of us than we should ever be of him. And you know what he's most afraid of? I mean, certainly he doesn't like it when a Christian goes to church. He really doesn't like it when a Christian gets into the Word. But I'm going to tell you, (laughs) when a Christian prays, he hates that the most. Why? Because he knows that is the deciding factor. When a Christian prays, that's it. He is a defeated foe. And this is the thing he hates the most. And this is why it is, by the way, have you ever noticed when you, you know, set aside some time to pray, all hell literally breaks loose? For those of you who have young children at home, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they start fighting like they've never fought before. The phone rings, something happens, this happens. Satan knows that as soon as you pray, it's game over for him. He doesn't want you to know that. He wants you to think that you are to fear him. No way. No way. I know I've shared this in the past, and there was a time in my life, actually recently, as recent as last year, where I was really going through a very difficult uh, trial. And I just remember the Lord impressing upon my heart that this was a spiritual battle that I was in. This was intense spiritual warfare. And so I prayed out loud. And (laughs) I hope you don't think differently of me when I share this, but I actually prayed out loud, Satan, you are a defeated foe. I resist you. You have to flee out with you. And he left. I'm like, oh, that worked. And I quote a scripture because that's what Jesus did when he was attacked. He quoted out of Deuteronomy, by the way. And that's how the victory was won. We should never fear the enemy. He fears us. We have been given the power. And it comes vis-a-vis this thing we call prayer. And it's the one thing that the Christian does not avail themselves of, and in so doing, it is to their own peril. Oh, I think of that hymn of old, that classic, timeless hymn, What a Friend 
we have in Jesus. All of our needs we carry to Him in prayer, but there's that one verse that says, Oh, what needless pain we suffer, all because we don't carry everything to Him in prayer. That's what I want to talk about today. In the text that we have before us today, the Apostle Paul is writing about prayer, really the power of prayer, and in so doing, he provides us with some really important details that could be easily missed at first read. Specifically, as it relates to prayer being the deciding factor concerning every area of our lives as Christians in this fallen world, even more specifically, as it relates to prayer, changing the outcome of everything when we as Christians pray about everything. One of the things I'm learning in my own prayer life is that there are situations that would have turned out very differently had I but prayed. And conversely, I've had situations in my life that clearly had a very different outcome because I prayed. I remember one night before a prayer meeting, I was just sharing some thoughts before we started the prayer meeting. And on that particular, I was no, you know, the enemy's so predictable. You know, it's always a Saturday night before a Sunday morning. It's always a Tuesday, you know, before Tuesday night prayer. It's always a Thursday before the Thursday night Bible study. I mean, I, I could just set my watch. Oh, you're right on time. There you are. You know. <laughs> but there was a situation on this particular Tuesday, and I went immediately to prayer. And I prayed in such a fashion you know how when you pray and sometimes it's just like, man, that was effectual. <laughs> Something happened. I mean, it's just that sense. It's almost like the Holy Spirit is bearing witness with your spirit. Oh, this is good between me and the Holy Spirit. God heard that prayer. And so there was just this overwhelming sense of peace. And it was like God was saying, I got this. Watch me now. Now this was in the morning. And I go into this intense spiritual warfare and prayer. And by the afternoon, the situation was resolved in such a way that it was only that God could do it as only He can. And He did it in such a way that it was unmistakably Him. You know how it is that sometimes something will happen and you know it's the Lord because there's no other explanation? Well, that's what it was like. And here's what the Lord ministered to me that day before the prayer meeting that night, and I shared it, was that that situation could have turned out very differently if I didn't pray. And that sends chills up and down my spine. Because what that means is prayer 
has the propensity to change every situation in your life. And sometimes that situation can change instantly. Instantly. What I want to do is share with you three keys, for lack of a better way of saying it, three ways to pray, three, I I, I hate it when the world hijacks, I know Arabs shouldn't use the word hijack, but they hijack, the world hijacks, you know, biblical truths and principles. And one such, my, my pet peeve is the secret to success. The world has totally stolen that from us and marred it and profaned it and made it, you know, common and secular. So I always sort of preface it that way when I say this was Paul's secret to success. This is the secret to success when it comes to prayer. And you see this first one on the screen, and it's a biggie. It's humility. In fact, it starts here. (laughs) You know what's striking to me? Is that Paul, this is the Apostle Paul we're talking about. He's humbling himself and asking his brothers and sisters to pray for him. That's humility. I mean, come on. Hey, if, if I know the Apostle Paul, I'm going to him saying, Paul, dude, you're connected. Will you pray for me? No, this is the other way around. Paul is humbling himself and admitting, hey, I need prayer. You know, it's really sad to me is that many a Christian does not feel safe going to a brother and sister in Christ and just asking for prayer. It's kind of like, where's your faith? I thought you were more spiritually mature than that. And it's almost like this admission of weakness. And and sadly, it's, it's the opposite that's true. In fact, Paul would say that he would boast in his weakness because when he's weak, that's when he's strong. The way up is the way down. You know what's interesting is replete throughout his epistles to the Romans, the Corinthians, the Ephesians, the Philippians, the churches in Colossia. Paul asked them to pray for him. And the reason I believe that he did is because he knew well that the prayers of God's people had the power to impact the effectiveness of his ministry in spreading the gospel. You know, if you think about it, just the very act of prayer is an acknowledgement of one's own humility and need. You know, the ones God can't help are the ones who don't think they need help. When I was a new believer, uh, I was sharing with my cousin, who was not a believer, that I was just, you know, praying and asking God for help and, you know, asking him, you know, to pray. And 
he says to me, well, you know, God helps those who help themselves. Now, I hadn't read the Bible yet. And I'm, I'm looking for that verse, and, and I, I was thinking maybe it's next to that other verse, you know, cleanliness is next to godliness. And I didn't find it, because it's not there. It might be in First Flesh and Olonians, but it's not in, in here. And the reason it's not is because the opposite is true. God helps those who can't help themselves. But see, we're so full of pride, so full of ourselves, you wouldn't catch me dead admitting, hey, I need help. You need help? Yeah. You wimp? I know. It's an admission of need. And it's an act of faith. You know, in Proverbs, we just got done finishing the book of Proverbs, and throughout the book of Proverbs, one proverb after another, what comes from and because of humility. With humility comes wisdom. You need wisdom? It comes by way of humility. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. I think about some of the most, I mean, miraculous, supernatural things that God has done in my life, and without exception, it has always come because I humbled myself, and I prayed, and I asked God to grant me what I was asking for. I mean, throughout all of my Christian life, every grand and glorious thing that God has done for me has come because of prayer. Prayer. Just simply praying. And by the way, can we just make sure that we understand that prayer is not complicated? This is another tactic of the enemy, by the way. He tries to complicate prayer, and it gets so complicated that we don't pray. Many years ago, I, 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 I prayed, God, I want to be a man of prayer. Make me a man of prayer. So I went out and I bought books on prayer. One book, voluminous, E.M. Bounds. Oh, my goodness. Great book. Make no mistake about it. This thick. I'm going to read this book on prayer. So I started reading it. The Lord just said, why don't you just pray? You know, the time it would take you to read this book on prayer, you could be in prayer. And so I put it back on the shelf and I prayed. This world is a dark and depressing place at times. There's no denying it. But there is light. There is hope. That hope is Jesus. Jesus is alive and is going to return to earth one day to rid it of evil forever. You can trust this. He's always been faithful and he always will be. Until he returns, though, Jesus has commissioned his followers to be his hands and feet right here in the middle of the darkness. Being a Christian is more than just words. It's actions as well. As you've learned in this study of 2 Thessalonians, every believer is called to live a godly life, following that example that Jesus set long ago. 
you're asked to live selflessly, showing love in practical ways to others. This will be a witness to the world of the hope that exists in Christ. We're so glad you tuned in to In Spirit and Truth. We know that following Jesus isn't always easy. Sometimes it can be intimidating to share the gospel. With that in mind, we'd like to offer a simple guide that will help the ABCs of salvation. You can find these on our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. Just take a look at the resources tab. This will explain why it's so important to put your faith in Jesus and how easy it is to start a relationship with Him. We pray this is an asset as you shine for Jesus and share His hope. If you'd like more information about In Spirit and Truth or would like to connect with us, visit inspiritandtruthradio.com. You'll find more of Pastor J.D.'s messages there, too, and service times if you'd like to join us for church at Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. That's all we have time for today. Thanks for tuning in to In Spirit and Truth. La, la, la.